it warms my heart that they're loving my child just as much as I do, that they have um, so much emotion put into my child to play with them and see them exceed, succeed. Like, it, I, they work so hard, and, you know, it's, I'm forever grateful. I feel like I've hit the lottery. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Saskatoon's Carrie Hart. She is one of the many voices you will hear as we explore the Little Tots program at Autism Services of Saskatoon in episode 11 of YXE Underground. Autism affects so many families in our country, our province, and here in Saskatoon. When a child is diagnosed with autism, research shows that early and intense therapy can make a real difference. The Little Tots program was started seven years ago for this purpose, to help kids as young as 18 months develop the social and communication skills that have stalled because of their autism diagnosis. What I learned in this episode is that it takes a village of caring, empathetic, and insanely patient people to help young autistic children. Lucas Hart had just turned two when his parents began to notice a change. His speech was not developing like his peers, he was withdrawing from his friends, and showed no interest in playing with his toys. His mom, Carrie Hart, knew of a program called Little Tots at Autism Services of Saskatoon. Once Lucas was diagnosed as autistic, Carrie applied to the program with the hope that it would help her son. Lynn Latta is the Executive Director of Autism Services of Saskatoon and a big believer in Little Tots. It's really important because it's an early intensive intervention program. So we take children from the ages like 18 months and up to 48 months, about that age, and work with them very intensively with them and with their families, and then they get that therapy right at the beginning, and it can make a difference in the trajectory of their lives. Lynn is not kidding when she says the program is intense. For the past three years, Lucas has spent four hours a day, four days a week, working with a variety of therapists at Autism Services of Saskatoon. He also receives home visits from therapists, which we get into later in the episode. I wanted to tell the story of Little Tots through Lucas, so that's why I spoke with his mom, Carrie, and the interim director of the Little Tots program, Desiree Bouton. I interviewed Carrie last month and then spoke with Desiree about a week later. But when I started editing the interviews, I quickly realized I should have gotten them in a room together and just interviewed them both. So that's what I did. Carrie and Desiree were very generous with their time, and I think you will really love this conversation. Like I said before, I have learned it takes a lot of people pulling in the same direction to help an autistic child. Carrie and Desiree are wonderful examples of this. We sat around a large table in one of the therapy rooms at Autism Services of Saskatoon on a Friday afternoon, and I started by asking Carrie if she remembered the first time she met Desiree. I did do. It was um, like very, probably the very first day um, bringing Lucas in when it was honestly totally chaos in here. It was their first day because none of the kids know what was going on. Um, yeah, and it's usually there's two classes, so they in, intertwine. And yeah, I was nervous and excited and all of the above. Why? Why were you nervous? I was leaving Lucas for like a first time with strangers, right? Totally for four hours, so that was a big thing. Do you remember the first day? 
I don't remember it in particular. He's been here for a very long time, but definitely the first day for a lot of parents is one of the hardest days, especially since they haven't left their kids and especially for people who have kids who can't necessarily say what they want. Have separation anxiety and everything because some you have to leave. I mean, Lucas was fine, but there was other kids that you had to leave them crying, right? Because they didn't want their parents to leave because they're not sure what's going on. So yeah, it's a diff definitely a, a tough day. So as as a mom, when you left Lucas for the for the first time, what was going through your head? Oh, I'm not sure. Like I was worried, anxious, um, you know, about him being here by himself. But at the same time, I was excited because this was the first day of an opportunity for hope, right? Hope that he'll get the skills he needs to to move on. When you're dealing with a with a first day, um, is there as as much attention Desiree spent to like the parents as well as as the child too? Because it's like it's got to be kind of scary for, like you said, Carrie. It's an opportunity, but you're leaving. They're leaving the nest a little bit. Yeah, definitely. We make sure that we're in contact with the parents and let the parents know how their kid's morning or afternoon is going. Um, sometimes we let parents stay and they can kind of check in with us if they're really worried. We don't let them stay in the room though, just so that the kids get used to it quickly. And we're usually really excited to get to know the kids because we don't know them yet. Okay, so how do you how do you go about getting to know the kids? And and feel like in, in this case, like we could talk about Lucas. Like, what? How do you go about getting to know someone like Lucas? So usually we bring in a ton of toys into the room and then we just kind of test to see what they like the most. Uh, we try different things like tickles or that kind of stuff too and see what they like playing with the most. Lucas likes wrestling. So they, he usually uses a therapist as his play toy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He loves to like they love physical play and the therapists here are amazing. They just pick them up and just play with them and then, uh, yeah, it works out really well, the pairing, so. Well, and that that's interesting, too, because when we did the photo shoot uh, a few days ago, like, you were just picking him up, Desiree. Like, and, and, and like, that sort of surprised me a bit. Like, I wasn't sure what the interaction was going to be like, but, and, and he was loving it. Yeah, it definitely depends on the kid. Um, we kind of just figure out what the kids like most and go with that mostly. Um, I'm usually like a physical type person, so I love like running around, jumping around, playing ring around the rosy tickles, that kind of thing. So that's like my go-to with kids. That's my play style, where some of the other therapists are, have more of like a toy play style. But yeah, definitely depends on the kid's preference. Um, can I ask a little bit about how you and Lucas got to this point, Carrie, in terms of of when when he was when he was little? Like when when did you know that that maybe something was different about Lucas and that you were heading down this road in terms of needing services from from you know um, autism? Well, Lucas has had like he's had a lot of different health issues with numerous uh, ear infections and throat infections. Um, he's had his tonsils out and all that. But it was probably just after two that we realized like because he had the language delay, but he was still all really social and all that with his kid with his with our neighbor's kids and all that. Then it was after between two, two and a half, he just kind of slowly stopped, wasn't interested in toys anymore, wasn't interested in friends, wanted to be on his own. And then around that two and a half, he just started doing this stimming repetitive behavior. And then, you know, something in my heart, like just my gut just sunk. Like I, you know, cause you just, you knew something was wrong, but you didn't know what. And then that's when I walked over here. 
and I walked to autism services just to get my name in at that time. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and then started in KCC, which is a Kinsman Children's Center, because they had, we then got uh, assessment from a phys or a speech in OT that they said he, he, they suspect he has autism. So I started here and then, um, I knew some friends that have been, you know, other people that have been in this program. So, and I heard how well it works. So then I Googled it and, you know, Googled ABA therapy and all that. And then I thought this is a perfect fit for Lucas. So then I just went, went in and made sure I had reference letters and all of that stuff. And I was very thankfully picked. Like Lucas was very thankfully picked because there was when he, there was, I think, 15, 16 applicants when he was picked and he was one of the f only four to get in. Yeah. How, how did you know that this was going to be a good fit for him? Well, just, um, I just think that because he would, just working like with him at home, I could just tell that he was a reward kind of kid and um, that just this would work and having the one-on-one -on -one time with adults uh, would help him learn the skills he needed to. For for parents that come here, the the process to get in here, Desiree, how how um, how challenging is it to to get their son or daughter in, into the into the program? Into our specific program, we do have limited amount of spots. So currently, we have twelve spots. Kind of depends how many kids are transitioning out in the fall. So, for example, for this year, we had five positions opened for fall, and we had sixteen applications. Um, the application process, they have to fill out their um, information form, and then I meet with the parents, and I do an assessment with their child. I also get them to fill out an assessment as well, and I observe their child, and then I bring all that information to an admissions committee, and then the admissions committee chooses from there. So, Carrie, as, as you're going through, like, going through all these steps to get Lucas into this program, um, what... What was that process like for you as, as a parent? Because like, I'm sure on one hand there was excitement, like you said off the top, but then like there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hoops. Oh, like when you, when you first apply, like then it's a, you know, several week wait until they, uh, you have an interview and you meet your child because everybody that applies gets an uh, interview. You also have to go to a mandatory meeting, um, that kind of tells about the program. So, cause then some people at that meeting don't, know how intense it is and they can't fit with their lifestyle so they don't even probably bother applying so you go through all that like I said I uh, got some reference letters from a psychologist and stuff just saying um about you know about how Lucas would be a good fit for this and um so we went through all that whole process and then it's like nail biting you probably can't sleep because you're excited but you're nervous because you know how like how hard it is to get into this program and so um when I got the phone call I actually my first one I was a waiting list I was the first one on the waiting list, so Lucas wasn't even in. So I was so excited and then still nervous. And then literally like two days later, I got a call saying he was in. I was—I remembered it that day exactly. I was with my friend. We were at the forestry farm. I was in my car. I think I started crying. And then I probably did laps at the forestry farm like five times around. So I was so excited. But yeah, it, and then also when with being that excited, it's just that instant relief, like just an instant sense of relief and my stress like, went from like 100 to like 20 or, you know, like it just went down and I was able to actually kind of breathe, relax, and enjoy myself because I knew help was on the way. How badly did you need help? I don't, I, it's so hard to say because I don't know what it would be like without help, right? Because right now, he, Lucas didn't know, like he has to learn every skill, like you teach it to him. He doesn't learn very much naturally, so... Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I, well, we did need help because Lucas wasn't communicating at all. He wouldn't respond to his name. He kind of just did his own thing. And so it was really hard, like safety, um, sleeping, just everything, everyday tasks that we find take for granted, he couldn't do. So I had to either teach him or do it for him. And so then as he's getting older and not wanting to play with kids, you know, his neurotypical friends are like kind of taking off, you know, doing their own things. And then as they get older, there's just this bigger gap. So just, it makes things harder. That, that must be so hard as a, as a parent when you're, when you see that gap begin to form. Oh, it's definitely hard because you just you want you just want your child to fit in and have you know be like with their friends and um, when you don't see that happening, it's just it's it's heartbreaking. Um, Carrie was talking about the communication skills, and I know Desiree, you and I talked about this a little bit, but can you just explain a little bit when when a child is diagnosed with autism or, or is showing signs like what what is happening in in their body that that is preventing them like what what's what's going on in there because I, I i like i to be honest i don't know a lot about autism i, I know like some of the I, I guess the the outward signs of it but what is what's happening inside that's that's causing a little guy like lucas to to struggle with communication those are just one of the main symptoms of autism is communication um same with like social skills and repetitive behaviors as well um, so it really depends where the kid is at, and then we'll decide where we're going to work on it from there. So we always start with those really small steps. Um, some kids we might use pictures to get get them to communicate with someone or like ask for something that they want using a picture. Some kids might be one word. Um, some kids might be able to t- ask for things in sentences. So it really depends on the kid and kind of where they're at is where we'll start. So with with Lucas then, where did you where did you start with him? Um, Lucas couldn't say or ask for anything, so I believe we started with like a picture. I think I can't remember now, but or just one word. Oh, we've done like so many programs. Sorry, they're all going through my head right now. Three years. Um, I, I should just say that the look on your face right there was like. Oh my gosh, like where did he, like, like you said, you've been through a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, all I know, like he didn't talk at all and wouldn't communicate at all when we came in here. So it was super, super basic what we started to. We had a, like such a baby step, but then I think it started with, I don't even know if it's with before words, but like starting to just respond to his name. Like we worked on that where it's such like Lucas would be right in front of me with absolutely nothing else going on. And I call his name, and he wouldn't even turn. So we started that, and once he did, then I'd back up a feet, foot, back up a couple feet. Then you'd have distractions on the other side of the room, right? Like that's how you taught him to respond to his name. So because when he responds to his name, then you know you have his attention to so that he can do a task that you ask him. Yeah. So then, as as a as a therapist, then like you're, those are so basic. How like is it? You you must be a very patient person. We really like celebrating all the little small successes that kids have every day. That's like probably one of the most motivating parts about my job is that I get to celebrate small things every day. So I'm personally motivated by it and it's awesome, especially when you get to go to home visits and see parents' faces when their kid passes one little step is also awesome too. Okay, so tell me about home visits because it's it's not just the fact that Carrie, you're bringing Lucas here to work with Desiree, but... There's a lot of work that happens yeah. at um, home. 
Well, so Lucas comes to the center four days a week. He comes from 12.30 till 4.30, Tuesday through Friday. And then Monday is his home therapy. So I have a therapist come to my house for about two hours. And then another therapist comes for the second two hours. So they do the same programming that they do here, but in a home so that Lucas can generalize the skills to different situations. Because with autism, they have a hard time um, generalizing skills. So he did it here. So he didn't, you know, normally he wouldn't think he could do it at, have to do it at home. Or I don't know exactly how that works, but it's to help him generalize the skill so he can learn it in all aspects of his life. Is Carrie right about that? Yes, definitely. That's one of the biggest parts about our home visits. Um, we also do parent coaching as well at the home visits. So sometimes we'll work on specific programs, but then other times we'll work on different things, like say if they're having trouble, I don't know, with sleep patterns at home or just having trouble, I don't know, eating or that kind of stuff, something that they maybe want to work on at home that we aren't necessarily working on or seeing at the center. Um, the lead therapist goes over that kind of stuff with parents at home as well. Why why wouldn't Lucas respond to his name at home, but he would here? Why why is that? Um, some kids are really particular with when they learn a skill, they'll only learn it in that particular setting with one particular person. So that's something that we build into our programs is working with different people um, and then having that generalization to different environments. So once they're further on in a program, we'll specifically go to different rooms or different areas and get someone completely different to get to ask them a question or do that same thing with that program and say it differently just to make sure that they're generalizing that skill and have that support to be able to generalize that skill. Okay. That makes sense because there's there's so many different social settings that that Lucas is going to be involved in for the rest of his life. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Do do you remember the first time you went out to to Carrie's place? What that was like? Do you, and do, do you enjoy going out to the to visit like the children at the homes? I don't typically go to the homes anymore, but the therapists and the lead therapists do, but I have been. Um, it's definitely fun to see them in a different environment. Some of the kids act totally different at home than they do at the center or when their parents are around versus when their parents aren't around, which I think is typical for all children. But yeah, it's really fun and it's fun to see. Um, sometimes they'll do different things or just even playing with different items that they might not even play with at the center that they like at home. Yeah, it's just having a, like, because they're also, they act a little different because they're just comfortable because it's their, their home, right? It's their stuff. They feel more comfortable, I think, when they come. Lucas tries to, you know, test them a little bit just because it's his home, and he's like, anyways, but. You're on my turf now. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they, but the therapists do really good at working with Lucas and his toys and stuff, and they still, they still manage to do a great job. And being at home, it, it's great because then when it's nice, we can, we go out, you know, into the backyard and play on the swing set, and we can use that as a therapy tool. Or they help me at home. Like a skill was Lucas to learn, a cup, not last year but the year before, to le learn to ride a trike because, you know, there was, like Lucas has like. His big, he has a big motivation issue. Like he's just honky dory, everything's fine. So nothing really motivates him. <laughs> so I remember uh, one of the therapists came out and I actually held a YouTube video like five feet away. And that's when Lucas did his first like uh, pedals with a trike. And then after that, then he kind of got it and was like, oh, hey, this is fun. So then you don't use the phone, like you fade it out. But it was just nice. So at home, we went outside and we got to learn stuff that's particular around home because you don't need to learn to ride a bike in the center but i do you know learn a bike learn to ride a bike on his own his own at home so now he's riding his bike 
he has a bike with some training wheels and he's he goes that must be so cool to see oh yeah i think i cried the first time because he was just like so slow but he's just like you know he's actually doing something he's actually completed a task like so every time those little moments come it's so great when lucas has a new word i scream like i won the lot not scream but i'm like i jump up and joy like i won the lottery because until this you know you're put in this situation you never know you like you take all those little things for granted you know like the first words, you know, the first doing thing, because you just assume your kid's going to do it, and they just learn it naturally, where kids with autism don't learn it naturally. What's the latest word? What's the latest word? Get out. (laughs) Yeah. He's got two words together. This is episode 11 of YXC Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. I first met Lucas Hart a few years ago at Sherbrooke Community Centre here in Saskatoon. That's where I work alongside Carrie. She is a recreation coordinator whose energy is truly infectious. He's a wonderful kid, and it's been so interesting while making this episode to see his interactions with his mom and Desiree. What it has taught me is that parents of autistic children, as well as therapists, have an insane amount of patience. The patience Carrie and Desiree show with Lucas, it it just blows my mind. I, I can't stress this enough. Before I did the interview, we did a photo shoot with Carrie, Lucas, and Desiree at Autism Services of Saskatoon with uh, with our podcast photographer, Janelle Wallace. Lucas was just getting over the flu and was not really in the mood to have his photo taken. There were a few times during the shoot where I thought, that's it, we should just stop right now and maybe we'll try later in the week when Lucas is feeling better. But Carrie and Desiree just kept working and working with Lucas and we ended up with some amazing photos. Patience is a theme that runs through this next part of the interview. We had just learned what Lucas's new words were, get out, and then I asked Carrie what it's been like working so closely with therapists like Desiree. Um, Working with a therapist has been uh, really good because uh, it's given my husband and I the skills to just help raise Lucas and uh, help teach him the way he learns. So, I mean, yes, it's a slow road, but it's like we have they've helped us uh, parent our child, um, you know, to learn different things so that we can actually be just a regular family. Like we go, we go with our friends, we go, you know, to play places and Lucas, you know, he interacts and, you know, slowly more and more every day. So they help us, it, I, they help us learn the skills we need to just, uh, yeah, go on with life. And, um, what was the last part? What have you learned about yourself? Oh, I never knew. <laughs> patience that I didn't have. Wow. Takes a lot of patience. Um, my husband's more patient than I am. Um, because you know, like it's, uh, for an example, this wasn't me, but one of the therapists, Luke, was trying to get Lucas to say plane or airplane. We know he can say it. He literally sat there for 20 minutes with Lucas sitting across saying airplane, airplane until he, until he said it, then he said it. And then he kept, now he knows it. But it's the patience that they have because it just takes, I don't know. I don't know. It like, once that first time happens, then the time in between usually gets shorter. But yeah, no, I've learned patience. Um, 
I just, yeah, I've learned that uh, I have a lot more support out there than I thought. Um, I've had a lot new support with the families, like with the other parents here. Ooh, tell, tell me about that. Well, it's it's great when you meet the family, other parents that are going through the same thing as you, because you might have a question that they can answer, or you know, you're they they're just a great ear to listen, and you share in the, you share in all their kids' successes. So someone's like, oh my child's now potty trained and you just jump up and joy for them because you know how hard that is. Um, but not just potty training, <laughs> um, many other skills like, you know, um, knowing their name, clapping their hands, drawing, you know. All you, were, you were telling me before um, that Lucas recently has learned to, to dress himself, right? To yes. put on his clothes. Like that's, that's huge. Yes, it is. It's 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 awesome. I kind of lay it out there just so that because otherwise, you know, I still like him to match a little bit. <laughs> but you know, he uh, can get dressed head to toe now. He sometimes needs some help with like a bunny hug and the zippers. Like those are still hard for him. But yeah, no, he's it's it, it's a good feeling. And and to be able to share that with others, like that must be. Oh, it's it great be because I would share something with a parent and then they'd share something they had or I would share a struggle I'm having and they'd share a struggle they had or they might have an idea to help with that struggle. Like, you know, for a while, few months there, Lucas was waking up for two, three hours a night, right? And just happy-go-lucky, but there goes my sleep. And, and then so, you know, people would say, like, try a weighted blanket or, you know, try do this before bed or, you know, just different things. So you just, they just help you and they, they get it. I don't know how, like, it's just they, the easiest way to say it is they, they get what you're going through. It, it, how does that make you feel, Desiree, knowing that they're, like, you're part of a, like, it's not just the one-on-one training that you're doing, but you're working with parents, and then these parents form a community. How does that make you feel? It's good because they have a support system and just even other people to vent to because they can say stuff to us and... We get it because we see their kids, but at the same time, we're not with their kids 24-7. Like, we don't live with them, and we just have them one-on-one. We're not trying to do other household items or that kind of stuff, too. So having that support for someone else, um, when someone else understands exactly what they mean or what they're actually going through, too. There's one thing that Carrie mentioned, too, when you were saying the example about airplane and how that one therapist spent 20 minutes on that. Um... And I maybe asked you this a bit earlier, but I like the the patience that that requires. Um, it is far beyond me. Like I, I could never, I could never do that. And so I'm wondering, Desiree, like, is that something that you were just like, it's just part of your makeup, or do you learn that as as a therapist? I think you learn it as a therapist. I think when you first start as a therapist, it's really hard to stick to your guns and keep waiting the kid out or keep prompting them to do something. Um, or like even being able to ignore a kid if you're not supposed to give them attention for a certain behavior. Um, but you learned that that following through means progress and that that behavior, that inappropriate behavior is going to go away or it's going to increase that appropriate behavior of asking for airplane. So you see it work and it's much easier once you see it work. Um, we obviously don't want to wait out a kid for very long and we want to be able to prompt them to do it quickly, but sometimes that stuff does happen and we do have to wait them out a little longer. That's, that, yeah, that, that's so, I just find that so interesting that you're able to, to, to have that patience. When, when you see therapists work, Carrie, like does it, especially in the beginning, what, like does it, it just sort of blow your mind a little bit, like the work they do? Oh, it does. And it, it warms my heart that they're loving my child just as much as I do, that they have... Um, 
so much emotion put into my child to play with them and see them succeed. Like it, I, they work so hard and you know, it's forever grateful. I feel like I've hit the lottery. How's that make you feel? Good, we love seeing all the little guys and girls that come into and we really like, it's so rewarding seeing all that progress and progress with the parents and like things that they'll do outside of the program too that they wouldn't have necessarily have done before coming to the program too. I think that's really rewarding as well. I just want to wrap up with, um, with how this has, has changed um, not only your life, Carrie, but your family's life and, and especially Lucas. Can you, I know you've touched on lots of things, but um, like, can, can you summarize a bit how, how this program has, has really impacted Lucas and, and your family? Um, by coming to this program, uh, Lucas has gained uh, skills and has gained a, a way to learn so that he can further his skills to um, kind of catch up to his peers or be, you know, right along there. Um, it has taught me how to talk teach my child in a way he can learn um, so that when this program's done, I can take the tools that I have learned in this program and apply them later on in life. And like, um, it's given our son, like our son back. We can go have fun. We go for a bike ride. It's like where my Lucas will look me in the eyes and he say, I love you and give me a hug. And like, it's, it feels so good because when we were first diagnosed, I, it was, it was, it really hurt because it felt like he didn't care. I was even around right? Like, cause there's just that disconnect with the autism. I know it didn't mean it, doesn't mean it, but it's just, yeah, it still feel, it still feels like that. But yeah, no, this program's definitely given me hope for the future, um, to give, yeah, the skills to keep learning, um, everything. That was really nice. Thank you. No, 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 I appreciate that. Um, Desiree, if there are people out there listening and, and maybe they're in a situation where, where Carrie was a couple years ago and they've, perhaps never heard a little tots before. What what would you like them to know about the program? <laughs> it is a good program. We have limited spots so that makes it difficult to get into, but it is a really rewarding program. We do also have the autism intervention program within autism services that people can access as well if they don't get into the program or if they want maybe a less intensive program. If that's a better fit for them too, that is something to consider. Before I let you go, is, is there one thing that, um, that maybe the, the general public has a misconception about, um, especially kids, but, but people in general that, that have autism? Is there something that, that maybe frustrates you at all that you would say, yeah, no, this is, this is how it actually is or something like that? Um, you, you've got the platform right now. Is there anything you want to say? I'm actually surprised that for how much of like an increase autism is now from what it was 10 years ago that still so many people don't know about it. So many people think that your child's just misbehaving and, you know, like to make them stop doing what they're doing. Nobody gets um, sensory processing issues like with sounds and lights or eating issues and all of that kind of stuff. They, people just kind of, yeah, I, I wish there was a bit like people knew more about it. Um, I also wish there was more funding because that's the only reason that there's only limited spots because there's limited fu government funding. Um, for this. So if I wanted to say anything to anybody, I wanted to say something to the government to help um, uh, give, auti like give autism, of uh, autism services of Saskatoon. There we go. Get it out. 
um, some more money for funding so that all of our kids, all of the kids that want to, um, that apply can get the help. Because if the funding was there, we could do it. It's because the funding's not there. That's why they have limited spots. So it would be nice to, because, to help the kids now, because when you help the kids now, early intervention's key, because then it's way less work down the road. Um, yeah, or if anyone else in the general public's listening and to just to donate to autism in general, um, every little bit helps for this and family programs and everything. Thank you both so much. I know um, we, we've, we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks, but it was so nice to, to get you in the room together um, and to talk about the, the great work that you do, Desiree, and the great work that you do, Carrie, both with, with well, Lucas. it's not only me. It's all, it's, it's all the moms out there that has a child on the spectrum. They put so much time, everyone puts so much time and effort to see their child succeed, whether it be big or small. Yeah. Lucas is a great kid. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to read more about Carrie, Desiree, Lucas, and the Little Tots program, I wrote a web story for CBC Saskatoon, and you can read more on the website at yxeunderground.com. You heard Carrie mention funding. If you want to read more about how the funding works and why Executive Director Lynn Latta is hopeful about the future, you can visit the CBC Saskatoon website and check out the web story. And I'll be sure to post the story on the podcast Facebook page as well. This has been episode 11 of YXE Underground. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Eric Anderson. I host and produce the show. And if you know of someone doing something really great here in Saskatoon who is flying under the radar, please let me know. You can send me an email, ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on the CBC Saskatoon website. Thank you to the CBC's Kareen Larson for being the consulting producer and such a wonderful human being. And that goes for the CBC's David Hutton as well. A big thank you to YXE Underground photographer Janelle Wallace. This was a, a very challenging, but I, I think very fulfilling photo shoot as well. I mentioned some of the challenges earlier. And I think Janelle, you did a wonderful job of capturing Lucas's spirit. And same goes with, with Carrie and, and Desiree as well. The photos ended up spectacular. And uh, if you visit any of the uh, the Facebook pages or the uh, Instagram page, you can see some of those pictures as well. So Janelle, thank you very much. A big thank you to my cousin Andrew for creating the theme music and the music you're listening to right now is a brand new creation from Andrew. He made it in his studio in Los Angeles. So Andrew, thank you so much for that. Thank you to Danger Dynamite for creating the website and, and making it look so good. And a huge thank you to Autism Services of Saskatoon and of course Desiree, Carrie and Lucas for all your time and for welcoming me uh, into, into your world and for allowing me to share your story. Before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. My name is Eric Anderson. This has been episode 11 of YXE Underground. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And you can find all the episodes of YXE Underground on our website, yxeunderground.com. This podcast is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.